Sounds really good for the word this morning. I miss my wife this morning. Her mother had surgery, and um, she is up with her mom helping out um, this morning. Left yesterday. Lost now because my wife is gone. And all the men said amen. her this morning. Miss Jared, this morning, Deanna, uh, they are, you know, they're going through MIP, our ministerial internship program, and um, one of the uh, assignments uh, is for them to, is for them to attend a different church on a Sunday. And um, so they, with other MIP candidates here in the, uh, in the South Alabama, they're all worshiping together uh, this morning, um, fulfilling their MIP obligation together. So, um, they're going to try to make it over here in time for baptism, so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about baptism this morning. Amen? Looking forward to getting into, into, into baptism, into the water, and baptizing some folks th- this morning. <sighs> Jeremy, I appreciate your word this morning. I appreciate your word this morning. If that wasn't for anybody else, it's for me. And so I appreciate it very much. And um, let's pray. Heavenly Father. We thank you today for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We ask God that as we get into your word this morning, your word would get into us and that we would bear much fruit, fruit of righteousness, fruit of repentance, fruit of good works, fruit of the spirit. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We thank you today. Speak, Lord. Speak today. Lord, not that I would speak my own, but that you would speak. I would speak your words today, Lord Jesus. And Lord God, you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church this morning. God, you would open up our hearts to receive what the Spirit says to the church this morning. That you would speak in our hearts and in our minds today, God. That you would pour out your Spirit on us through your word, through your anointing. Jesus, do your work today. This morning we're going to continue our series through the Gospel of Luke. Good news, good news, I've got good news for you this morning. I've got good news for the powerful and good news for the powerless. And I'm going to tell you something this morning, church. If you, if uh, it, I'll preach better if you'll amen better. <laughs> Took you a second, you were kind of not sure. How well do we want him to preach today? season we had, and I was just excited about continuing the series this morning. Gospel means good news, right? Gospel needs, means good news. It is the good news of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and all of that that, that entails, his teachings, his miracles, his demonstration, his proclam- proclamation of the kingdom. 
this is good news, and it is good news for everyone. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what you've done, or no matter what's been done to you, Jesus is good news for you this morning. This morning we're digging into the account of Luke in chapter 7, two miracles performed by Jesus, one for a man with power and one for a woman without power. A centurion and a widow. Let's talk about the powerful first. We're introduced to the centurion in Luke 7. He's a military man. He is a man with authority. He has a hundred men under him in his military regiment. He's a commander. He's a Gentile. He's a Roman. He has power. He has the backing of Rome. He has financial security. He is respected. He is feared. He is part of a system that controls Israel. But he also treats the Israelites with respect. He, he loves the nation of Israel. He, he actually uses his power and his authority and his connections and his wealth to build a synagogue in Capernaum. How we use our power and our authority and our connections and our wealth, how we use our influence reveals something about our character. can use their power to harm or to help. One can use their authority to enslave or to empower. One can use their connections to belittle or to make better. One can use their wealth to destroy or to deliver. And we all have to understand that each one of us have areas of influence. How can we use our influence to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly this centurion was a man of, of privilege, a man of authority, a man of power, a man of influence. He was a man who knew what it was to have power. He's Roman, but he was also a man of faith. I want to talk to you for a second about the powerless this morning. We're introduced to a widow in Luke chapter 7. In terms of social standing, this woman was the opposite of this centurion. Firstly, she was a Hebrew under the occupation of Rome. So taxes were unjust. Her homeland was not in, under control of her own people. Tensions were high. Secondly, she was a widow. Her economic stability was, that was afforded to her by her husband was gone. Her financial security was in question. She was dependent on the care and health her son. Thirdly, her son was dead. And the one who would provide and protect her after the death of her husband is gone. She lost her husband. She's lost her son. She is lost. She is broken. She was powerless. Not only has she lost the husband of her youth, she's lost her only son. So she's not only grieving the death of those she loved dearly, she is also grieving an uncertain future. But she was a widow Israel. So let's jump into the text this morning. Luke chapter 7. A man with authority. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 1. When he had concluded saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. A centurion's servant who was highly valued by him was sick and about to die. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, requesting him to come and save the life of 
and serve it. When they reached Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy for you to grant this, because he loves our nation, and he has built us a synagogue. And Jesus went with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to tell him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, since I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. That's why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say this to, to one go, and he goes under and another one come, and he comes, and to my servant do this, and he does it. And Jesus heard this and was amazed at him. Turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found so great a faith even in Israel. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant in good health. This, under, this centurion understood authority. He recognized that Jesus possessed authority. See, Jesus also had a regiment, but his regiment wasn't fighting against flesh and blood. His regiment was advancing against the gates of hell. His regiment was fighting against the schemes of the devil. His regiment would be, would be told to put down their swords and carry their cross. The, his regiment proclaimed and demonstrated a kingdom not of this world. His regiment was defeating demons and healing the sick. His regiment was feeding multitudes and putting false religion to shame. His regiment would be empowered spirit. His regiment would baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. His regiment would be ambassadors to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. His regiment was, was at war against the spirit of the age and proclaiming eternal truth of the good news of Jesus. Jesus had a regiment. and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual rulers and heavenly places. We don't fight like the world fights. This centurion had authority. He would speak and, and, and his servants would go, but Jesus speaks and demons flee. Jesus speaks and the sick are healed. Jesus speaks and people are changed. Jesus speaks and forgives sinners. Jesus speaks and proclaims the kingdom. Jesus speaks and disciples obey. Jesus speaks and truth is discovered. Jesus speaks and grace is experienced. Jesus speaks and mercy is embraced. Jesus speaks and love is known. Jesus speaks and things happen because Jesus has authority. All authority in heaven and on earth is his. And this centurion sees that authority. This centurion recognizes the power and the authority that Jesus has, that all Jesus has to do is speak the word and his servant will be healed. All Jesus has to do is speak the word. Jesus is the word made flesh. Just Jesus just has to speak the word. His word accomplishes all that Jesus, that God intends his word to accomplish. His word is authoritative. His word never misses, never returns empty, never is not working. His authoritative word, church, delivers, transforms, washes. 
intelligence, cleanses, heals, renews, regenerates, cuts, reveals, sanctifies, instructs, saves, and seals. Jesus' word has authority because Jesus has authority. And the centurion recognizes this authority in Jesus, and the centurion is humble before Jesus. And the centurion who had authority over a hundred of Rome's fighting men was humble before Jesus. The centurion recognized that his authority paled in comparison to the authority of Jesus. The centurion used his power and authority and wealth and connections for building buildings. Jesus used his power and authority and connections and wealth for building people, for healing the sick, and for speaking life. The centurion recognized authority and recognized that his authority was human, temporary, and earthly, but that the authority of Jesus was supernatural, eternal, and heavenly. And this centurion placed his faith in the authority of Jesus. This is a man with amazing faith. This centurion believed that Jesus' authority change situations. This centurion believed that Jesus' authority could heal his servant. This centurion believed that Jesus' authority was beyond time and space. This centurion believed that Jesus' authority didn't require close proximity to the need for the will healing to happen. Jesus could heal from a distance. Time and space were not constraints to the authority of Jesus. Jesus can deliver from a distance. Jesus can save from a distance. A moment 2,000 years ago still covers my sin. Time and space. A moment 2,000 years ago still heals my body. A moment 2,000 years ago still guarantees my salvation. A moment 2,000 years ago still reconciles me to God. A moment 2,000 years ago still gives me hope and peace and joy. A moment 2,000 years ago still satisfies my soul a moment 2,000 years ago still breaks the curse of sin a moment 2,000 years ago it's still faithful to accomplish and fulfill every promise of God a moment 2,000 years ago still has power a moment 2,000 years ago is still present in the bread and in the cup a moment 2,000 years ago is still able time and space don't matter centurion believed that Jesus had that kind of authority. He understood. He, 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 listen, he didn't understand all that Jesus had come to accomplish. We have history for us to testify to what Jesus came to do. This centurion didn't understand all that Jesus came to do. He simply recognized that Jesus had authority and Jesus' word and Jesus' touch and Jesus' presence could change situations. Simple recognition. Simple recognition. And Luke says that Jesus was amazed. Jesus was amazed at the faith of this man. It actually says he marveled at his faith. Yeah, let's get some light on, wake us up. 
Jewish Gentile had faith that surpassed all of Israel. His faith, his faith was based in the recognition of the authority that he had. Do you believe Jesus has authority? Do you have faith? Now let's talk about this woman with nothing. Luke then moves on to another miracle. This servant is healed. Luke moves on to another miracle. He moves from a man who understood authority to a woman who understood the power of death. This woman had no authority. This woman had no power. This woman had nothing, but she could testify to the power of death. Death had taken a husband. Death had taken her son. Death had authority over her. Death had authority. Death had robbed her of love, of family, of security, of hope, of joy, of life. Death had robbed her. Luke 7, verse 11, afterward he was on his way to a town called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd was traveling with him. And just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. He was his only mother's son, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town also was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, don't weep. Then he came up and touched the open coffin, and the pallbearer stopped, and he said, young man, I tell you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Then fear came over everyone, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. This report about him went throughout all Judea and the vicinity. Don't weep. That's what Jesus said to her. Don't weep. Her husband is dead. Her son is lying in a coffin dead. Her hope lies rotting in the pit of Sheol. Everything is dead. Crowds with her mourning, grieving, crying out, watching, trying to understand this large crowd. This large crowd is falling. same Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eyes. 
is in this moment wiping her tears. Jesus is in this moment demonstrating what is to come. Jesus is in this moment giving us a taste of resurrection. Jesus is in this moment revealing his heart for the broken hearted. Jesus is near. Jesus is here. Jesus is moved with compassion. This woman is shown compassion. Jesus' compassion moves him to action. And he touches the casket. He raises the dead son to life. And relationship is restored. Security is given back. Why? Because Jesus... Exodus on the mountain. The first word he used to describe himself is the word compassionate. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. The Lord, Yahweh, the Lord is compassionate. Yahweh is compassionate. That is God's name. We call God God, but God's name is Yahweh. Of, of, of a motherly type of love. It points us to a nurturing God. It points us to a God who cares for his child. It's a word that expresses emotion and nurture. Caring for, compassionate. It shows us a God that cares deeply for his people. This compassionate God understands the grief of a mourning mother. Psalm 103, verse 13 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Isaiah 49, 15 and 16, Can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the child of her womb? Even if these forget, yet I will not forget you. Look, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hand. Your walls are continually before me. See, God understands the heartbreak. God has compassion on his children. Yahweh understands the love of a mother and of the child of her womb. God is a God of compassion. And the of Jesus reveal the great compassion of God. 
you see the scars. The scars of compassion. The scars of a God who loved his people. Jesus has compassion on this grieving mother. Jesus is the compassionate God made flesh. And Jesus raises the son from death out of compassion. Jesus has compassion for you. Jesus sees you. Jesus sees your sorrow. The old song says, Jesus knows all about our sorrow. Jesus sees your wounds. Jesus sees your tears. Jesus sees your anxious heart. And Jesus has compassion on you. And Jesus touches your situation out of his compassion. He is not far from you. He's still walking up to hopeless people saying, do not fear. He's still walking up to coffins and saying, get up. He is still moved with compassion. God still visits his people. So as we see these two miracles, these two miracles happen for two very different reasons. We see one is because Jesus is moved by faith, and another is because Jesus is moved with compassion. Faith moved Jesus to heal the centurion's servant. Compassion moved Jesus to raise the widow's son. God moving in your situation is not about it's about God's revelation of his authority and his compassion. Sometimes in the Gospels, Jesus heals because of faith. And sometimes in the Gospels, Jesus heals out of compassion. So what does that reveal to us about God? It reveals that he responds to simple faith as a compassionate God. It reveals that he has authority. And it reveals that if he doesn't heal you in the moment or in the time, and it's not necessarily because we didn't have enough faith. And it's not necessarily because he isn't moved with compassion. And it's not because he doesn't have the authority to heal. It's because this compassionate God is not limited by time and space, but has grace for you in the present and has eternal healing and eternal life for you in the age to come. Jesus is trustworthy. He has authority. this room and in this
this moment right now, God, that you would speak to our hearts and that you would remind us again that simple faith in your authority and an understanding of your compassion leads us to a greater love of Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray this morning, if there's folks in this room simple faith would rise up and that your compassion would be known and you God you would speak the word and we would get up Chris if you would come this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed from God. Maybe you need a, a miracle. Maybe you need a healing. I want you to hear me this morning. We're going to pray for you and we're going to believe God with you. We have a God who is full of compassion and we have a God who meets the needs of his people. And as you come this morning and as you come in just a second for communion, if you need a touch from the Lord, I invite you to stay here. Do what scripture says. I'm going to anoint you with oil. I'm going to pray for you. And I will believe God with you. Believe God for you. And I believe that this compassionate God will be near and he will fulfill every promise. Every promise. Jesus name. So this morning, I invite you, slip down your left side of your aisle, come receive the oath of communion. If you desire prayer, stay here. Slip back down the right side of your aisle. Everyone is invited to the table. All it takes is simple faith in Jesus. You don't have to be a member of this church. 
just worship you in this house right now. So excited. Amen. Can we do a little hand clap of praise in this house this morning?